wondered if all men are trash. Have you ever felt like there was no hope for us? Well, I interviewed all the good men I could find and made a show about it. What makes a man a man? When does a person feel like a man? Society tells us a lot about what is a man and what's not a man, and there's a lot of expectations. But when you put these things aside and you put the stereotypes and the patriarchy aside, what is the essence of masculinity? What really is it? That's why I started these interviews, because I wanted to know from the men that I admire just what they think masculinity is. And today you'll hear about Mike. And I did a bunch of therapy and it helped me a lot. And like one of the things that came out of it was the sadness that I've been like thinking about masculinity for a long time. And my biggest like hurdle was kind of like accepting myself and like making peace with like different examples of men that I had in my life and and like doing some work to make sure that like to know that I'm not that person but to also create for myself what it means so I'm like doing this blog and doing this interview to show other people how to do that and to show positive I think it's really important to see positive examples of how to do it I think a lot of the stuff that I read right now is like either for men or against men but like yeah. nothing that's just like, yo, here's the tools. Yeah. Here's like a bunch of different ways to do this game. Like, here you go. So that's what I'm trying to put out here. And so I just like brainstormed myself, like who are the men that I respect the most? And maybe I can go pick their brains about how they did it. And so you were the first one to come up. So what's your daily life like? Daily life, um, wake up. Pretty early in the morning, first thing I do every day is always uh, pray. Um, have, try to wake up before everybody else to have some time for myself. So usually after I wake up and I pray, um, I'll you know wash the dishes, take the trash out, sweep up a little bit, um, try to make sure everything's straight for them. Um, when my son is usually the first one to wake up, you know, make sure he has food and he's straight, change his diaper, chill with him for a little bit. Then my girls get up and it's getting their breakfast together. And, um, you know, figuring out what I have to do for the day, figuring out what they have to do for the day. And then from that, really just trying to be responsive, you know, trying to make sure that I give them the support that they need so they can do what they got to do and try to create some space for myself as well. Um, and I think particularly like in the pandemic, I've been able to do a good job of creating a culture where they know that um, how they can talk to me when I'm busy and that. Even when I'm busy, I'm still always available for them. You know what I mean? So sometimes I make cameos and meetings and things of that nature. Um, but really doing that. And then when I'm done with my responsibilities and they're done with their stuff, I um, always try to take them outside. Like I said, I run with Ife, try to take the kids to the, to the playground every day. You know, make sure my son gets his nap, make sure they get their bath, make sure, you know, I make them lunch and dinner. And then, you know, once everybody is asleep, then try to take whatever time I have left to kind of, um, you know, hang out with my wife, you know, and that type of thing. And then try to get a little bit of sleep. But really, it's just a matter of trying to really be responsive, you know, like whatever is the whatever the family's needs are comes first. Whatever my professional needs are comes second. And I always try to make sure that I 
do things for self-care, like drink my water, make sure I exercise, make sure I pray, like do those things that keep me healthy and they keep me focused on a, a, a positive Hi. outlet. Um, and Hi. all that. So yeah, that's, that's my day to day. You can hear Mike's kids in the background, and I decided to keep their sounds because it shows how much of a family man Mike is. Being there for people like his family and his community is a big part of how Mike defines his masculinity. What does masculinity mean to you? Excellent. Yeah, masculinity for me means to uh, basically hold myself to a certain set of conduct. Like, I feel like masculinity to me has to do with not making excuses. Like, to me, like, you know, like, I feel like uh, uh, the definition of manhood that I was kind of raised with was one of, like, you know, you kind of assert yourself to make what you want to see happen. You know what I mean? Like, if you want something, you go get it. If you need to do something, you do it. You know, you just kind of bite the bullet, tough it out, and make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a space for weakness. Stop it, My def- right? definition of masculinity now is that I, I think, and I say this in my prayers sometimes, is I want to always soften my heart but strengthen my resolve. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like not still rejecting weakness in terms of failure, but embracing vulnerability as a means to gain more strength. So to me now, it's about like being tough enough to be vulnerable and being tough enough to be consistent. So me, masculinity has to do with like being strong and being strong in a way that I'm able to use my privileges to do things that the other people can't do. You know what I mean? Like to me, a big part of masculinity is like, okay, if we live in a sexist society as we do, I can do certain things that my wife and my kids can't. You know what I'm saying? And so it's my responsibility to make sure whatever the things are that I can do that they can't, I get those things done. You know what I mean? To make their lives easier. Cause I know if she has to do it as a woman or if they have to do it as children, it's going to be much more difficult for them than it is for me as a man. And by extension, you know, I have certain privileges and opportunities because of my status in this society that allow me to be able to see things and do things differently than they can, too. So to me, it's trying to use those things, like whether it's like physically being the tallest person or physically being the strongest person or, you know, socially, like, you know, some guy happened with a car. I'm going to take the car. You know what I'm saying? Or if something got to happen with school. I'm going to do that because I know that people carry me a different type of way. So to me, masculinity really is about being strong, being consistent, and being willing to put myself out there to support my family in ways that'll make life easier for them. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how I feel about it. I need to just get it done because it's the it's my opportunity to do so. Sounds great, right? A man who's dedicated to his family, who's okay with being vulnerable, who do what it takes to support them. This didn't happen overnight. It took some practice, some learning, Listen to Mike as he talks about his journey. When Ife was born, I was a really terrible parent and a really terrible partner. Yep. And the primary, right, she said, yup. And the reason why is because I didn't actually, two, two big things. The first thing was, is I didn't ever in, interrogate my sexist assumptions about how child rearing works. Like I. Yeah, I literally assumed that women liked um, doing domestic shocker, things with children and more he likes to put because they were socialized to do them. So I like really thought like, oh, Cola. she must enjoy uh, being the primary caretaker. Down. I didn't think about the fact the that women have been socialized to do it well, but they didn't like it. 
So that was the first big assumption that I hadn't interrogated. So I was like, oh, yeah, she must want to take care of the kid, you know, because that's what, you know, moms like to do. The second thing was I I was so concerned because I was young in my career. I was really concerned about not being successful and not having security in my career. And so I treated my job and my family as being equal. So if I had a responsibility for my job, I would put that first and expect for Iris and Ife to understand that I was busy, you know. And so those were two things that really made me very like distant and absent for that first year of Ife's life. Patriarchy teaches men that they have to be dominant. And to be dominant means that you get it right on the first try and that you can't make mistakes. You can't even admit mistakes. So it's a revolutionary act when a man goes to seek help from others, when a man admits his mistakes like Mike did. He took a marriage class that was presented here in D.C. for free by the D.C., like Obama's Fatherhood Initiative. Um, so, and it was done by two facilitators actually from the Nation of Islam. And one of them actually is the mother of uh, somebody I went to grad school with at Howard. Um, and so they had a really interesting perspective and they taught us a lot about communication and about like being in a relationship. And they focused the whole thing on like black love and black marriage as a revolutionary act. And that was helpful for me. And one of the most helpful things is they said like, you know, you know, if you do right by your kids, your kids will leave you. You know, <laughs> if you do right by your partner, they won't, you know. And by extension, they say, you know, you should love all your children equally, but you should love your partner more because you consciously chose to be with this person, you know. And those things really resonated for me. And I was like, you know what? They're right. You know, and I thought about that and I was like, you know, if I'm not treating my partner the way that I really want to be treated, if I'm not, if I keep making excuses for why, I should not be accountable to certain things, then I'm really not giving her my best self. And, you know, they talked about how, why would you not give your best self to the person you love the most? Like, why would you give your best self to, you know, your job or people out in the world when, you know, you chose to be with somebody? Um, so all that was really helpful. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was um, when we lost our, um, our first son, um, which was about a year and a half after we had Ife. Um, so Iris had gotten pregnant again, and our son um, was diagnosed with trisomy 13, you know, which is pretty much like always fatal. It's a genetic thing where they have an extra chromosome on the 13th pair. So he had all kinds of health problems, um, and he, he, you know, died in the womb. And, you know, one of those situations whereby, you know, Iris, a lot of the things that I took for granted she could do, she just couldn't do anymore. You know, like she physically and emotionally, you know, was really devastated you know going through this process and we all were and so i had to step up in a lot of ways you know and taking care of ife and taking care of things in the home and when that tragedy struck i realized the possibility and the power that i had i realized i could have been doing this the whole time you know i didn't have to wait for a tragedy to step up for my family you know what i mean and that situation really brought us all a lot closer um in terms of supporting each other through that um, and it, it made me and Ife's relationship really strong. It made me and Iris's relationship really strong. And then shortly after um, our son passed, she got pregnant with Ozzy. Um, and so after that happened, you know, we, we moved um, to the place that we were, you know, for all of Ozzy's life and Che's life until a couple months ago.
And so it was just like a, a kind of like a new beginning. Until, and in that process of moving. Until eight months ago. Thank you, dear. Uh, you know, I have my, my director here. Um, in the process of moving, uh, I ended up also having to buy a house. So in the situation we were in, you know, the rent was going up because you know how the rent is. And we had a situation whereby we wouldn't be able to, you know, stay in our current, you know, situation. Even though we was in the hood, you know, it was in the midst of gentrification. So we looked around and uh, if we were to stay in the area, our rent would go up like $600, which we couldn't do. And so Iris was like, we need to buy a house. Like, you know, she was, um, you know, working for herself at the time um, because she had been laid off when she was pregnant with Ife. So she made a conscious decision to work part time. And um, so that she could be able to be more available for childcare. Um, so, with all of those conditions and factor, again, it was on me, you know, through circumstances like, look, we need a place to be at. You have the most resources to do this because, you know, you're consistently employed, everything else. Like, go ahead and do this. And it was like, all right, I'm afraid, but I'm going to try it. And sure enough, I went through the process of applying to the, you know, first time home buyers programs, home buyer programs for educators, all that good stuff. And we got a home. Um, so, you know, we moved. So by, you know, the time that we had gotten through this process, you know, we had, you know, had a child, lost a child, got a new home. And then shortly after welcoming another child, you know, all those things really helped me grow up a lot in the midst of taking these marriage classes to really understand and change my framework for what the responsibilities and the privileges of being a man with a family really look like, you know. And since that time period, while all these things happened, I can honestly say, like, probably like, yeah, since Ozzy was born, you know, I made a very conscious shift that to me, the most important work that I have to do and the most revolutionary work I have to do and the most meaningful work I have to do is to consciously be a husband and a father. You know, that for me, I see strength and I see liberation in that in terms of being able to provide a different level of nurturing or a different level of support or work against those sexist stereotypes that I and others have and being able to hold my family down and provide, you know, supports, you know, not monetarily, not those things alone, but like that emotional and financial support. Like the fact that this little baby is like, you know, laying on me right now and having me rub her head. Like that kind of stuff to me is that's where I find my sense of purpose and my definition of manhood because it's like these are things that I'm privileged to be able to do. And I understand because of my experiences and to a larger extent, the experiences of a lack of example I have from other men doing that, that it really is a revolutionary act. Here's the thing about how men change. If we change it just for ourselves, then that change is limited. But when we change for the sake of others, that change is deeper and lasts longer. Masculinity flourishes in service. We need to feel needed and called upon to access our special gifts. But if we don't take the time to be with ourselves and discover our gifts, if we don't dedicate ourselves to the welfare of other people, then we miss out on all the growth that we could have and the world misses out on our gifts. What do you think men have to offer the world? Um, I think what men have to offer the world, that's a really great question, by the way. I mean, I think what men have to offer the world is I think we have... We have a lot of, of balance that we can offer in terms of, you know, masculine energy when it's applied well. You know, like, I, I don't think it's a mistake that in nature you need masculine and feminine energy to yield life. You know what I mean? And I think, unfortunately, as we see, he can't come on that side. There's not enough space. 
there's been such a distortion because of patriarchy that masculine energy has been given masculinity has been distorted and males have been given a premium at the expense of masculinity you know what i mean like i think a lot of the the positive attributes i describe in masculinity are things that aren't really represented for a lot of men as being things they can or should do you know what i mean like i always talk about how like you know coming up you know we talked about this the only emotions you're supposed to express are like happiness or anger like you know nothing in between you know you can be happy you can be mad you know what i mean and so like it cuts off so much that you need to experience you know so so many different ways that you could touch into yourself are not there and so i think what men have to offer the world is uh you know showing how like you can have strength and you can have like discipline and you can have all these virtues without having to have them be destructive like i think we can show how there's a potential for hardness without it being destructive it's like there's a hardness that's needed to do a lot of things that but that doesn't mean it has to come with destructiveness it doesn't mean you have to scorch the process so i think that's what we have for the world it's fitting that the last segment ended with his son calling out for him. You see, the world needs men. Yes, we're prone to mistakes. Yes, we can be egotistical sometimes. And yeah, history is not on our side. It can be tempting to want to throw out the baby with the bathwater to say, let's just stop being men. But that's not reality. We can't escape who we are and what we are. If we want to see a better, healthier world, then we need to look into ourselves, love ourselves, and do what it takes to become accountable. We need to find ways to support the people we love. If we do that, then our families and our communities will benefit for generations to come. If you like what you heard and you want to be a part of the conversation, consider joining one of our groups. Creative Masculinity hosts groups that help men learn and grow on a variety of topics like redefining masculinity and shame and accountability. You can stay in touch by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Details are in the show notes. Tune in next week for another creative conversation. Thanks for listening.